You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. At Williamson NFL is my Twitter handle. Drop me a line there anytime. Please follow. Spread the word about the Locked On NFL podcast. Um, We are brought to you today by Blue Chew. I will tell you about them here in a moment. I also need you to use your your smart device in your car to play the Locked On Network. You know, it, it really helps promote more than I can even explain to you. So try to listen to Locked On NFL and the rest of the Locked On Network and NBA now and college and MLB. We're growing fast. But I promised, I talked to Mike Sando yesterday. I promised you I'd finish up the week with the two Western Division um, draft breakdowns. I was going to go AFC before NFC, but the news of the day is Ziggy Ansah um, signs with Seattle. It's a little bit of a slow time, of course. Um, rookie mini camps will be are rolling along. I'll be at the Steelers rookie mini camp tomorrow, Friday. Um, so, Ansa, let's start with that real quick. I think he's got something left in the tank. You know, we've seen Seattle over the years, and their defense has changed a little, but is very defensive line friendly in terms of they can use a lot of variety of types of defensive linemen. And as great as their linebackers and secondary have been, it's the defensive line that drives the defense. So adding Ansa makes a lot of sense. I do think he's still a good player, but when I say he's got a lot, or he still has something left in the tank, I just don't know how many snaps. You know, it just, I hope they don't use him 60 snaps a game. You know, use him sparingly, use him when you need him most, keep him as fresh as possible, um, really maintain his usage. And I think that'll be a valuable signing. But let's get into Seattle. Um, you know, right before this, before before the draft, they had Frank Clark, and they had the fewest picks in the draft. And then they trade Frank Clark to Kansas City. Some more trade downs throughout the draft, and they end up with a first, two seconds, a third, three fourths, a fifth, and two sixths. So an influx of young talent, including another edge guy. So Frank Clark is out. Ansa and L.J. Collier from TCU are in. Um, I don't love Collier. I didn't think he was a first-round player, but I think he's powerful. I think he's hard to move off the spot. He's kind of a unique player in this in this draft in that he's not super DeMarcus Ware or, you know, like long, lean type of guy, but he is um, a good player. I mean, and I think he will be used all over their defensive line. Um, he's pretty twitchy. I think he plays with good leverage. Uh, they'll, they'll run a lot of stunts and twists and, like I said, align them all over the formation. But I didn't love the player as a first-round guy. But I, th- I do think he's... Seattle's weird. I mean, rarely do I jump up and down or does anybody jump up and down for their first-round pick. But their team building's hard to deny and they know what they're looking for. Um, two other defensive players that I don't know that will pay off right away but have a lot of upside to them if they can be developed, and Seattle is a good developing team, especially on defense, is Marquise Blair, the safety out of Utah, and his teammate Cody Barton, the linebacker out of Utah. So those are kind of wait-and-see people. Um, you know, There is upside, and in the meantime, I think they will be valuable, valuable special teamers, of course. And those are flanked by two receivers, of course, DK Metcalf. And say what you want, like I was a little bit hard on Metcalf 
Because he sort of plays like he tests in terms of the three-cone drill, and I absolutely believe that the league is a little prejudiced right now against the big, huge receivers that don't change direction as opposed to the route runners. You're seeing the smaller route runners uh, go higher and the, the bigger, longer striding type guys fall. But that being said, Metcalf at the 64th pick, Wow. I mean, early rookie uh, camp reports are very favorable. Wilson's a great deep ball thrower. If that's all he brings even early on, wow. Um, Baldwin's situation looks tenuous to say the least. Uh, I know they're very different, but they needed weapons, and I love this pick at 64. I mean, if you had told me they took him at 29, I would have said fine. Um, then Gary Jennings from West Virginia is also a talented dude that can get downfield too. So going to run a lot, you know, deep passing. I think Jennings and Metcalf, especially Metcalf, could certainly pay off for these guys. Um, and then, you know, they rounded things out with some other dudes I think that are important. Phil Haynes is a guard. Good thing you added more line help, but I do think the line's better than you think. Amon, Amadi, the safety from Oregon's a guy I need to do a little bit more work on, to be honest with you. Um, but certainly has special teams ability, and their secondary, the safety position, needs a facelift. That's their second safety they drafted in this class, with Blair being the other. Uh, Burke Hervin, the linebacker from Washington, very good cover guy. Doesn't blow you away athletically. Again, two safeties, two linebackers that scream special teams. And Travis Homer, I mean, they have a crowded backfield, but he's a good receiver. So I think that's how they look at him, is a weapon more so than... We're going to hand the ball to this guy over and over. So I think that's what you're getting from Seattle. Um, last year, I mean, you guys got on my case because I was wrong, but I thought Seattle was like a five-win team. And to their credit, I still think over these last two years and probably into next year, they're going to be, quote, rebuilding and infusing youth and a lot of comp picks coming next year. But they stay competitive by doing so. I mean, that's a, a mark of a very strong organization. So good stuff. Um, I told you yesterday about Blue Chew. They have sponsored us before. Um, they're fantastic, to be very honest with you. So what you need to do is, is you got to go to BlueChew.com, use our promo code locked on, all one word. But let's talk about sex, fellas. I mean, good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the, the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Trust me, they do. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. I never really understood the whole pill thing, like, you know, hey, we'll make a date for an hour from now. I mean, that doesn't work. Um, so... Now, now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in bed. It's just a boost. So, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So, no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, so they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. Use our promo code locked on as I mentioned. All you gotta pay is five bucks shipping. You get a free free shipment of this stuff. Again, if you don't think you have a problem, try it. You'll be happier with it than without. So again, that's B L U E Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. 
Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for helping out the podcast. All right, so we got Seattle in the books, and the Onsa edition makes a lot of sense for them. Cardinals picked first overall. I love their draft. I mean, I do. I, I hate the business way, the the business decision of what they did with Rosen, and I'm a Rosen believer, and we've talked that to death. But I do, I do think Kyler Murray can be a special player, a great system fit, super exciting. We talked about this a fair amount yesterday with Sando, so ch- go check that out, that yesterday's podcast. But... I thought Byron Murphy was probably the best corner in this draft. Um, could probably, he could play some slot. He's different than Patrick Peterson. Aggressive. A lot of zone capabilities. He's a good football player. You get him at the top of the second round. I didn't think he'd last till 33. Um, another defensive player they took in the third round, Zach Allen, is a versatile, tough Good run-stuffing defensive end that could also bounce inside on passing downs. I think they'll move him around a lot. Um, Played a lot of snap at Boston College. Reliable, again, brings some attitude to that defensive front as well as versatility. Improving pass rusher. Good stuff there from him. Uh, I'm going to stick with the defense here again. Deontay Thompson. I mean, I, I know that he's a little lean and his play kind of diminished as the season went on last year. But if we were talking 365 days ago, we'd have been talking about this guy as like a top 10 pick. I mean, going into last season, that's what people, you know, kind of talked him up as. True free safety, um, a lot of range, attacks a ball in the air. So I think they got three impact defenders, two in the secondary. I like that a lot for Arizona. Mentioned Murray, and you got two very different type receivers. I'm going to start with the second one first because Butler was my number one receiver on this in this draft. So obviously, I was shocked he fell to the early, early fourth round. Big downfield, questionable hands, but changes direction well. Good after the catch. Highly versatile in terms of scheme alignment. You can play him outside, throw deep. You can get him, you know, get him the ball quick. He can play the slot. I think he's going to far exceed his draft prospects. And kind of like I mentioned with Metcalf, some of these taller guys are falling now more than ever, where the Andy and Isabella's at the 62nd pick overall are not. But as a slot guy, he needs a little work. He's got a lot of wasted motion. But like Butler, extremely productive. A lot of these guys are very, this is a very productive draft class, more so than most. Um, Isabella, the people that love him say he might be a Brandon Cooks type. I mean, again, that's a little rich for me, but um, he's much more, he's not just a slot. I mean, I think you can look at him and stereotype him and say, oh, he's Edelman. He's got a long way to go before he's Welker or Edelman in terms of efficiency out of the slot, but he is fast. I think they'll give him the ball in space. They'll get him downfield. They'll align him all over the formation. And both these guys are going to learn a lot from my man, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So you got Christian Kirk there. All of a sudden, good young group of receivers in Arizona. We're going to see tons of three and even four receiver sets, a lot of that. Um, They also added Keyshawn Johnson in the sixth round. I'm lukewarm on him, but as a sixth-round pick, he should be. I mean, that's fine. My favorite late pick, though, is Lamont Galliard. I'm sorry, I said the name wrong. Center out of Georgia. I thought he was more like a fourth-round type guy. Wouldn't shock me at all if he's a starter before long for them. It's a little surprising to me, and I know they added some free agent bodies, but not much to the offensive line. Joshua and Miles in the seventh and Galliard in the sixth are the only two of note. Um, Dogby, the defensive end from Temple, is decent. And as Mr. Irrelevance go, Caleb Wilson 
ain't so shabby. I mean, I, I think he makes his team and is a depth tight end for years. So I thought Arizona did very, very well, to be honest with you. Uh, let's talk Rams. Super Bowl team. Um, I thought they would really focus on the interior of the offensive line, but they have drafted linemen in the past, um, so they, they probably feel good about those guys. They drafted Bobby Evans, who played right tackle in Oklahoma over Cody Ford, and then they bumped him to the left side last year, and he struggled a little bit, but there's a lot of upside there. David Edwards is a tackle, might be a guard in the pros. Um Kind of a typical Wisconsin masher in the run game. So they did add two offensive linemen. And trading down was big for them, too. I mean, they traded back three times before their first selection came up, before they made their pick at 61. So the Rams are adding a lot of things to the mix. I can understand that. I don't think they looked at their roster like it was in dire straits or that they had desperate needs anywhere. So they put it brought in a lot of things. I mentioned the two offensive linemen. I think Daryl Henderson is very noteworthy as a 70th pick overall. Really good receiver, highly productive, great outside zone running running back, which of course fits the scheme really well. Um, explosive receiving skills, mentioned those things. But I know they came out and said, we just loved Henderson, we couldn't pass him up. We're going to play him with Gurley, we just couldn't pass a weapon like that. Sure, okay, I be- sort of believe you, but I think... Going back to the end of last year and the C.J. Anderson usage, I think it's pretty clear that it's time to worry about Gurley's health, at least for the short term, and availability, I don't know about for the long term. Wonders, you know, my immediate thought is, are they regretting giving him the long-term deal that they recently did? Still a great player, but uh, that's worrisome. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Their first pick that I overlooked, uh, not that I overlooked, I just kind of skipped him a little bit, was Taylor Rapp, really good football player, didn't run well. But remember, they used Barron at linebacker so much. I bet Rapp is more Barron than he is Earl Thomas, that's for sure. I mean, he's going to be a second-level guy, tough, really good tackler, physical player, trendsetter. So I think he fits with their mold pretty well. Um, Greg Gaines, he's okay. I got no problem with him. Fourth-round pick. They did need defensive line help. Finished up the draft with what looked like two special teamers and Nick Scott and Dakota Allen. All right, let's wrap it up with the Niners. It's probably kind of a quick one because Bosa's a slam dunk no-brainer. You add Bosa and Quan Alexander, more Bosa than Quan Alexander, but I really think their front seven now is really, really strong, versatile, playmakers galore. So easy, easy selection at number two. I like the Debo Samuel pick as well. Kind of reminds me of Percy Harvin. Good route runner, thick build. Um, explosive, you know, it's, it's kind of like Harvin. I mean, Harvin's a little rawer and probably a little more explosive where Samuel is, you know, put on a show at the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to help now. I think him and Pettis will complement each other quite well. Also, they already have Kittle. And then they add a kind of a strange but intriguing weapon in Jalen Hurd. I mean, this guy was a running back ahead of Alvin Kamara on the Tennessee depth chart. Switched to wide receiver at Baylor. Huge, I mean, 6'4 ish, 6'5, almost like a Latavius Murray, or is he a tight end? Is he Brandon Jacobs? I mean, he's a lot more athletic than Jacobs, so he's a good receiver in general. He may just be an outside the numbers receiver or a big slot or a Colston type. 
I'm curious to see where he finds his home, or maybe it's just multiple homes. I mean, he may be the goal line back. Um, he may line up in line, like I said, with some tight end capabilities. So I think that's really, really interesting. Um, just curious what their plan is, and we should be fi- figuring those things out here really soon. I know nothing about the punter, but they used a fourth-round pick on a punter out of Utah, which Nowski, fine. Um, Greenlaw, Caden Smith, uh, school or the next three picks, fifth, sixth rounders, a linebacker, a tight end, and a tackle. But the guy I wanted to just talk about a little bit more is Tim Harris, a corner from Virginia. Um, he was their final pick, 198 overall in the sixth round. It's a little surprising the corner didn't come up earlier. I, I think that's absolutely noteworthy. And it wouldn't shock me at all if you know next year's first round pick is a corner for the Niners. But... They got a good one at the end. I, I thought he was a good player, more like a third, fourth round, more like a fourth round corner. You get him at the bottom of the draft. Don't be surprised if the youngster from Virginia is a pretty good contributor for the Niners sooner than later. And again, there's not a lot in between him and playing time. We'll see. But I mean, they may have snuck one past everybody there with Harris. Uh, I think the Niners will be improved. Excited to see Garoppolo. Um, I think the Cardinals are very, very exciting. As I mentioned with Mike Sando yesterday, like they would, I bet they're the team everybody wants to see on hard knocks. Talked about Seattle earlier, that they have a nice balance of rebuilding, but still competitive. Rams are absolutely a contender that brought in a nice wealth of mid-round and a variety of positions, young talent to fortify their roster. They, they have the stars in free agency, and they've drafted early over the years, so star power is not an issue there. But bring in some young depth, fill in some holes that way, develop some guys. Uh, I thought all these teams did pretty well. So that's a wrap. Uh, we'll finish up the week with the AFC West. Thank you so much.